Welcome back, everyone. We're here just a week later, gasp, with another episode. <laughs> Good for us. <laughs> this time, we are finally, finally, finally getting to spend some time with the one, the only, Reyna. It's very exciting. Stick around. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yay, this is so exciting. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> this is the chapters I've been most excited for in a while. Thrilling. <laughs> the event of the century. It's Rana's perspective. And Woo! in case you forgot, we are back again with our guest from last week. Hi, Mariana. How's it going? Hello. It's going good. This is the same evening. No, no need to fool our <laughs> listeners. We finished recording the last episode 30 seconds ago. <laughs> let's let's take a second to think about Reyna and like what we know about her thus far, how we feel about her. I think the people know how Carter and I feel. How do you feel about her? I feel great about her. I feel <laughs> that going from Jason chapters to Reyna chapters is like it's doing good things to me. Yeah, I love her. She's the best. She's a queen. Reyna, you know, queen. Truly. She's a bad bitch. She's incredible. She does all the work. I know, and she's only 16. Like, mm-hmm. she does so much for us. She also has, like, really cool dogs that we don't spend enough time talking about. Yeah, metal greyhounds. She has a lot of weird power-ups that are not like anything else that we've seen from anyone else in this series. She has the two dogs. She had the Pegasus, Rip and Peace, Scipio. Ugh, heartbreaking. Is there anything else that we need to go over biographically about Reyna? She has a cape that she wears a lot. She has a cape? That's sickening. <laughs> the cape at this moment doesn't have special powers other than being really cool and intimidating. But it's going to get some special powers. Should we remind ourselves of Reyna's backstory a little bit? Yeah. The first time we met Reyna, technically, 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 was in uh, The Sea of Monsters, as you might remember, as someone working on Cersei's Island with her older sister, Hilla who actually had dialogue in that. Very important. Percy and Annabeth as they're leaving to destroy the island, so Hilla and Reyna both have to escape Cersei's Island, which, for those of you who don't remember, is in the Caribbean, where the Sea of Monsters is, and make their ways off into the world. We then later reconnect with Reyna at Camp Jupiter. Yeah. Yeah. Did you wait? Did you mention Hilla is an Amazon now? Oh, no, I did not. <laughs> okay, when we reconnect with them in the Son of Neptune, Reyna is in charge of camp jupiter at this point by herself because jason the other predator is gone of course and her older sister hilla is the queen of the amazons in seattle fighting for her life at that point but at the end of that book is large and in charge doing fine in control of that other group of cool women who are not like the hunters but a little bit like the hunters but they're not friends reyna then of course afterwards is still in charge of the romans and like is pursuing the seven across the continent after leo tries to fuck up new rome but lets mm-hmm. them go when they are departing to cross the Atlantic in that fateful moment with Annabeth at Fort Sumter, where she's like, when I see you again in the field of battle, we will be enemies. Or, right? Isn't that where that happens? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but then when but they see each other at the end, House of Hades, they hug! They hug! <laughs> yes. Ah! 
<laughs> Rena has a very intense girl boss scene with Annabeth as well that we did not mention earlier. It's at the beginning of Mark of Athena. It's two queens maximizing their joint slay. They're like going for a walk around the temples in New Rome and both being like, we are powerful. We understand each other. Those are girlfriends. Those are girlfriends. Those are girlfriends. Um, Annabeth passes her a message through hell and also through Rachel Elizabeth Dare that she needs to come help them out. Also and girlfriends. She... <laughs> They're all girlfriends. It's true. I know, I'm supposed Piper to believe, is another girlfriend. I'm supposed to believe that Reyna and Jason were together. Just unrealistic to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm supposed to believe that Reyna had feelings for Percy? Reyna is literally compulsory heterosexuality. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's... <laughs> also unrealistic. I think she even describes it that way, where she's like, predators have often had a relationship that becomes romantic as a way of streamlining the leadership of Rome. And it's like, okay, girl, like, I... <laughs> Yeah. Anyway. You know how we spent all that time being like, Piper thought Percy wasn't that cute. Yes, she did. No, Raina doesn't give a crap <laughs> about Percy. She did not think twice about his sea green eyes and his dark ruffly hair. She really could not care less. And for that, we are impressed and and ever worshipful. She's better than us. Yeah, she's better than, she's way better than me. <laughs> <laughs> Great. All that out of the way. We have landed through Shadow Travel Misadventures with... Our cute little foursome of Reyna, Coach Hedge, Nico, and the Athena Parthenos in Pompeii. <laughs> Pompeii, a very curious place, a place that is such a Rick Riordan-ish place. You know, it's giving magic treehouse. Historically relevant tourist trap. Oh my god, I was literally just talking to my friend about that today. Because I was like, they're in Pompeii for this part that I'm going to talk about in the podcast. And she was like, oh, the magic treehouse book in Pompeii is my favorite. And I was like, me too. Yes. <laughs> it was a big one. It was really That was really one of the good. bigger ones. My favorite, unfortunately, mm-hmm. was the Hawaii one for obvious reasons. But um, <laughs> but it was also, I do remember the Pompeii one. Yeah. Mine was the Pompeii and then the Titanic one. Because I was weirdly obsessed with the Titanic. I was weirdly obsessed with tragedies as a child. Do I remember the Titanic? Was that, was Titanic like the first set? Or was that one of the Merlin mysteries? I think it was in the first set, and I remember they they did like a a non-fiction companion book to it, where it was like the Magic Treehouse real life about the Titanic, (laughs) and I did a book report on it in second grade. Mm, Wow. (laughs) Did you guys read Sisters Grimm? Yes! We wait, we should do that as like a side episode. That's absolutely the right type of thing for us to be. (laughs) Yes. I honestly think that like the magic treehouse to Sisters Grimm to Percy Jackson to Once Upon a Time pipeline is is streamlined. Like they're all very similar. (laughs) I've never even heard of this. I I need to look this up. It's by Michael Buckley. Yeah. They're like descended from the brothers Grimm, these two girls, and they have to keep the fairy tale monsters from invading the real world, basically. And they're like the only ones who can do it. That sounds like something I would like. But also gets more complicated than that because they're friends with the fairy tale monsters some of them and so there's a lot of like fairy tale politics <laughs> <laughs> anyway magic treehouse slaps magic treehouse to percy jackson pipeline we're in pompeii which makes sense because why would we not be tourists history but also makes a lot of dead sense people. What, what happened in pompeii dead <laughs> dead people swallowed up by the earth romans covered in ash reyna is a little stressed about this she's not loving it she's staring at these statues walking around zoning out dissociating as one is wont to do shadow traveling this is important shadow traveling is taking a lot out of nico transporting all of them as well as the 50-foot Athena Parthenon statue. Shout out to this little line about how Nico doesn't actually really take well to nectar. So instead they feed him <laughs> unicorn drop. 
gay homosexual <laughs> unicorn drop great just, just a rick like a loves to remind us that he is not straight it's like by the way i have a canon gay in these books i am better than her i'm better than that whole jk rowling is this the first time that reyna helps gives her energy it absolutely is this is the first time we know about it yeah do you want to read a little bit of it mariana sure He studied Reyna. How did you do that? That surge of energy. Reyna turned her forearm. The tattoo still burned like hot wax. The symbol of Bologna, S-P-Q-R, with four lines for her years of service. I don't like to talk about it, she said, but it's a power from my mother. I can impart strength to others. Coach Hedge looked up from his rucksack. Seriously? Why haven't you hooked me up, Roman girl? I want super muscles. Reyna frowned. It doesn't work like that, coach. I can only do it in life and death situations, and it's more useful in large groups. When I command troops, I can share whatever attributes I have, strength, courage, endurance, multiplied by the size of my forces. Nico arched an eyebrow. Useful for a Roman praetor. Reyna didn't answer. She preferred not to speak of her power for exactly this reason. She didn't want the demigods under her command to think she was controlling them, or that she'd become a leader because she had some special magic. She could only share the qualities she already possessed, and she couldn't help anyone who wasn't worthy of being a hero. Nico is a hero. (laughs) (laughs) Ow, this is so cool! We're finding out about Reyna! Oh, right, because she gets the energy back, and so she's like, Nico's in so much pain. Oh my god. (laughs) She describes it as, quote, raw anguish. (laughs) My sweet, sweet prince. Quote, Just a temporary wave of exhaustion. Primal emotions. Your pain washes over me. I take on some of your burden. What vivid language. She'd felt more pain from Nico in their brief connection than she had from her entire legion during the battle against the giant Polybides. That's so sad. My baby. I'm gonna go ahead and read this part of page 56 where she talks about (laughs) her feelings about Nico. Reyna marveled at how peaceful he looked. The worry lines vanished. His face became strangely angelic like his surname, D'Angelo. She could almost believe he was a regular 14-year-old boy, not a son of Hades who had been pulled out of time from the 1940s and forced to endure more tragedy and danger than most demigods would in a lifetime. When Nico had arrived at Camp Jupiter, Reyna didn't trust him. She'd sensed there was more to his story than being an ambassador for his father, Pluto. Now, of course, she knew the truth. He was a Greek demigod, the first person in living memory, perhaps the first ever to go back and forth between the Roman and Greek camps without telling either group that he existed. Strangely, that made Reyna trust Nico more. He carried so much sadness and loneliness, so much heartache, yet he put his mission first. He persevered. Reyna respected that. She understood that. She'd never been a touchy-feely person, but she had the strangest desire to drape her cloak over Nico's shoulders and tuck him in. She mentally chided herself. He was a comrade, not her little brother. He wouldn't appreciate the gesture. That hurts. <laughs> she gets him. She cares about him. She's thinks about him as a little brother. Ugh, she's she's his new Bianca. Not that anyone could ever replace that, but it's it's but nice it's so that true. someone is out there caring for him. And like in a real way. Should we take a moment to contrast this with Jason's response to like actually knowing more about the mechanics of Nico's suffering in his life, being with him for longer. Like, Reyna and Nico have only been with each other one-on-one for, like, a little bit now. Reyna just understands that he is in pain, 
And look at all of this. Look at all of this that she has to give. Look at all of this insight that she has about this person. Wow. Yeah. How remarkable. Yes. And Hazel obviously is also Nico's sister and, Mm -hmm. you know, a Bianca figure in his life. But Hazel is younger than him. And that is a really important part of their relationship is Nico feeling older, more capable, being able to take care of Hazel and that being important. And Hazel also takes care of Nico. But this really is like an older woman in his life who sees more into him than other people do just by nature of who she is and her gifts and abilities. And also really immediately trusts and respects him. Like no one has ever felt that way about Nico before. Ever. Mm-hmm. Not a single soul, not a single perspective has given us this, I trust him because of the choices he's made. Yes. And specifically citing the things that make everyone else, uncomfortable. you know, like stupidly uncomfortable with not him. trust him. Yeah. Things that he does that obviously are important to do that she just sees as like things that he must do. Like just understanding the nature of the sacrifices made and the obligations that he feels that he must labor under is something that she just really, really seems to appreciate in a way that no one else does oh my gosh let's say it queer mentorship is so important queer mentorship (laughs) you need someone who understands what you're going through it's true and it's like older and someone who will like watch you while you sleep and like maybe put a cloak on you but also know that you don't want that (laughs) this is one of my favorite relationships i think it really is it's so important is there anything else we should say about this section well i'll say that like Sometimes in the Percy Jackson fandom, people will treat Nico like an ooh-woo, soft, sad boy, must take care of him, little angel thing. And that portrayal of Nico in the fandom bothers a lot of other people in the fandom because he's not an ooh-woo, softy, sad boy. And we shouldn't romanticize his depression as people frequently did on Tumblr back in the early (laughs) 2010s. But also Nico deserves to be cared for. <laughs> I know. It's just so nice that he has someone that he's able to be not even like super openly vulnerable with, but someone that understands him. Yes. Not trying to romanticize that. But at the same time, like, I just want someone to hold him. Like, he deserves that too, you know? Yeah. Canonically, what we get of Nico in the books is turmoil, angst, no friends. Everyone's scared of him. He's hiding in the shadows. He's forcibly outed badness badness evil monsters raising people from the dead and what we get of nico in the fandom is like oh the little baby he was eating the pomegranate seeds in the little jar is he okay um but we should remember that in the books he really needs somebody to take care of him he needs that and so i'm grateful for reyna and for this very tender description of the little angel and he's so young i can't get over that he's only 14 baby you look like a little angel when he slept <laughs> i literally just hear the voice of lilo talking about stitch going the little angel <laughs> and he's a monster <laughs> okay there's gonna be more development of reyna and nico i love these alternating povs we get them every other week friends so that's very exciting <laughs> we also learned that uh, reyna can control her dreams in a way that none of the other demigods have ever I mean, we're going to hear a little bit more about how Nico navigates the dreamscape, but Reyna has found a way to handle it that is so telling of her character and also like so efficient, maximizes her sleep schedule. (laughs) (laughs) She knows that she's going to have visions and nightmares, but so that she doesn't wake up in a cold sweat, she transports herself at the start of her dreams to her favorite place in New Rome, the Garden of Bacchus, right? And looks into the sheen of the lake there 
and looks at it like a looking glass and sees all of her visions and nightmares that way so that she's not experiencing them Dumbledore Pensieve style, but instead <laughs> is watching them and it's still get a good night's sleep, which is so smart. Like she needs to be doing <laughs> this technique with everyone else. Yeah, like why hasn't she given this trick to other demigods? Like she just sees them all like waking up in cold sweats suffering and she's like, haha losers <laughs> <laughs> maybe like a new rome thing because they have all these demigods who live to adult ages in new rome and mm. i must assume that they've found a way to manage their demigod problems like not being able to sleep maybe everybody has their coping mechanisms the line that i underlined here that i put a little heart beside is reina held a cup of hot chocolate her favorite drink because i too love hot chocolate and i think more people should love hot chocolate <laughs> <laughs> openly i think people are always like what's your starbucks order and it's like oh a non-fat latte blah 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 and i'm like mine's a fucking hot chocolate because i mm. love hot chocolate and so i feel reina and i are one in this <laughs> absolutely i've recently been very into russian coffees which is just hot chocolate with espresso oh <laughs> so that good. sounds good shout out to the hungarian pastry shop what yeah. an institution there's also lots of ghosts here just in case we were forgetting the theme of the book there's carter said in latin limitus would be the more latin pronunciation i think great there's lots of those around yes while reina is looking at her dreams she sees octavian we honestly haven't talked about octavian a lot um mostly because he sucks <laughs> and he's not so, like, that not complex interesting way villain. yeah <laughs> yeah he doesn't really pose anything that is worthy of discussion yet. But Octavian has elevated himself to the status of Pontifex Maximus, which has never happened in living memory that a demigod has done that. Famously, who was Pontifex Maximus? Augustus, right? I mean, Pontifex also, like, that's the Pope now. Mm -hmm. Yes, Augustus took the title of Pontifex Maximus for political gain in an attempt to restore traditional Roman values, which is, that's from Wikipedia, um, I just googled <laughs> it, which is essentially what Octavian is doing. And he mentions that Augustus was his ancestor, and that's what Octavian really wants to do. He is taking on the role of high priest for the political power to what he th is portraying as unite the camps and save Rome. Mm -hmm. Other characters in this dream, Bryce Lawrence... Our oh, man, Mike Cahele. Mike Cahele is I'm finally so here. Sorry. Bryce Lawrence, this man, he set a cat on fire for fun. Like, excuse me? And he <laughs> was just scary. allowed to be, like, I get that he, they're like, oh, he was rich and powerful. So, like, he didn't actually get what he deserved. I understand what they're doing there. Um, <laughs> but I want this man dead. <laughs> Let's talk more about the kids of families who are rich and powerful, who happen to abuse animals and do illegal things, and yet because Is it their Albatross families are rich story? and powerful, because their families are rich and powerful, they do not face the consequences that they should. Wow. I'll link yeah, a civil no, beat this... article. Link this... that civil beat article. <laughs> <laughs> we went to school with people who murdered a bunch of albatrosses. That were federally oh protected. God. Anyway. Jesus. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> were you going to say something about Bryce? Oh, no. I was just going to say he sucks. <laughs> it's true. Embarrassing. Bryce Lawrence is the child of Orcus, who is a brand new god to the Riordan verse we've never spoke about before. Orcus was a Roman god and also an Etruscan god. So the areas of Italy pre-Rome. 
So he's a bit of a mixture of the two. And if we remember Pluto, Hazel's dad, being less like Hades in that he's more involved with like the riches of the underground and less involved with the punishment and the fire like Hades is. Orcus is sort of like the other half of Hades to Pluto, where he is the god of punishment and broken promises. His name is often used like Hades is, is to describe the underworld. So he's like, oh, I'm going to Hades. I'm going to Orcus. So he's scary. He's big and bad. He's freaky. And so is Bryce. Bryce is very freaky. And we need to keep an eye on him. And not fun freaky. Bad freaky. <laughs> Correct. Very Correct. bad freaky. <laughs> Correct. But then we got my man, Mike Kahele. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. The first Hawaiian demigod. Not, we're not talking about Maui. We're talking about Mike Kahele, who is a linebacker from Hilo High School beneath the tropic sides of Hilo. Lives dear old Hilo High School. I do know the school song for Hilo High School because that's where my auntie went, um, my 90 year old <laughs> auntie, and we sing it every year on her birthday. Let, I'm uh, going to read the description physically because it's fascinating. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about it. Mike's arms were as thick as bazooka barrels. He had broad features, a toasted almond complexion, onyx hair, and proud dark eyes like the old Hawaiian kings. She wasn't sure how a high school linebacker from Hilo had wound up with Venus for a mom, but no one in the Legion gave him any grief about that. Now once they saw him crush rocks with his bare hands. <laughs> I... Girl, I don't know. I'm not sure either. Um... <laughs> There's so much and so little going on here. Like, we really could go just word by word, line by line here. We're not Hawaiian. Did, uh, did Rick find a Hawaiian person to proofread this paragraph? No. What does not. it mean that he has features like the old Hawaiian kings? How many old Hawaiian kings do you think Reyna has seen? I, since I guess Reyna is making this description. No. Reyna was studying King Kamehameha for how King Kamehameha united the Hawaiian islands. Because Ala bringing a character such as Piper, who is has a mixed identity and her own personal culture and upbringing also involves other gods. There's a lot of, there's a lot of mythology and folklore in Hawaii. There's a lot of demigods in Hawaiian myth. There isn't a Hawaiian RRP book yet, but I'm sure there will be one at some point. So yeah, I don't know. If we think canonically about the gods, the Western flame, aka the colonization of America, has extended <laughs> to Hawaii, and therefore the Greek gods definitely do have influence there. In case the skepticism in our tone of voice was not clear, I, I'm i very uncomfortable with this. <laughs> Great. I think that's all I should say. (laughs) Yeah, basically Octavian's being a little messy baby and Mike Hele is not excited about it. And Octavian is like bringing Bryce back into the Legion, which is only going to be bad because he's clearly a disaster who's been relying on daddy's money to keep him safe. Um, And he's probably going to murder someone. It's going to be very bad and scary. And there's a little bit more stuff about this mysterious hunter. In Reyna's dream, she wakes up, she talks to Nico about it. Nico decides that he's going to reach out to Talia about this mysterious hunter situation because who's going to know about famous hunters, the leader of the hunt? There's also the little section about how Octavian doesn't have the gift of prophecy anymore because no one does. Yes. Or at this point, they're not saying no one does. I think at this point, they're just saying like Octavian is having issues performing and it's a secret. Um, yeah. And we don't know how many other people are also true, true. Yes, in the dark. Yes. Also, correct me if I'm wrong. This is the setup for Trials of Apollo, right? Correct. Correct. Okay. <laughs> Since the I never of read them. Is being lost by others. <laughs> There's foreshadowing for Magnus yeah. Chase in this book as well. 
there's literally one sentence that talks about Annabeth's cousins in Boston. I'll put it out when we get there. It's really exciting. Set up! <laughs> Raina's sensing some bad vibes. Raina, an empath, picking up on some bad vibes, maybe, <laughs> between Nico and Talia. And Raina's like, are you on bad terms with this Talia girl? And he's like, what? No, um, uh-uh, no. <laughs> she didn't kill my sister. Uh. <laughs> After Nico says, maybe I'll contact Talia, Reyna goes, I should also try to contact my sister Hilla, because maybe the Amazons might know something about this. Which also, delightful foreshadowing. Hey, This is so exciting! The hunters and the Amazons! And then, what happens? Gaia jumps into Coach Hedge's body, raises a bunch of earthborn ash people to fight Reyna, and also in a line that mimics the line Michael Varys says, you will die a Roman. Yeah, you will die as a Roman, you will join the ghosts of Pompeii. On page 78. Mm-hmm. Hearing. Symmetry. The fight also is two queens maximizing their joints lay, specifically in the sense that Nico still has the scepter of Diocletian, which as you might remember from the last book, raises armies of dead Romans that can be controlled by Roman praetors. So mm-hmm. this time, instead of Frank, it's Reyna controlling the Roman praetors. But what happens? The scepter, like, breaks, right, during this battle. So, like, yeah, they win, but also that weapon is done for some reason that is not really clear to me, other than, I guess, for plot reasons, we need to move on to a different um, form of battle. Yes, luckily, Nico and Reyna maximize their joint slay, defeat the ash creatures long enough for them all to shadow travel whoop, away with the Athena Parthenos, thus ending our first POV with Reyna. Yay! There's something else I think we should mention about this. It was really brief and I almost forgot to mention it, but it's like right at the beginning, which is as they are falling, Reyna makes this offhand comment about how something reminds her of like the Piragua, which is the first time we have heard anything about Reyna's life before Cersei, right? Like, that's always the origin story we've been given for her. But, like, obviously, they weren't born in Cersei's island, right? They came from somewhere. And this is where we find out they came from Puerto Rico. And somehow they ended up from Puerto Rico in Cersei's island. And also, it is reminding us that we're probably going to be hearing more about Rana's backstory, which I'm also very excited for. Also reminding us that America did colonize Puerto Rico. Thus Puerto Rico as well. There. Yes. We're really doing a roundup of all of the island colonies. Um. Do we get, I feel like there's a sneak, a line in here somewhere where it mentions something about her dad. Oh yeah, where she's like, she couldn't tell her friends how much she feared ghosts or why she feared them. The whole reason she and her sister had run away from San Juan all those years ago, that secret had to stay buried. That's page 55. Oh, there we go. That's big. Yeah. That's like almost not even foreshadowing. That's just saying. That's just like, this is going to yep. come back. We will be saying more about the backstory. <laughs> <laughs> and ghosts. Ghosts. Mm-hmm. Why is she scared of ghosts? At least she has Nico. But she's scared of ghosts, but she's not scared of Nico. And that's important. Yes, it is. His dad was an- another May Castellan type crazy. Just a crazy dude. He's a crazy guy. He's <laughs> in a real dude. goofy mood. <laughs> I figured now would be a good time to talk about the setup for this whole book. We've read the first eight chapters. We've talked about them. We've talked about the ghosts and how that's going to be a big deal. We now know that we're alternating POVs between mm-hmm. Argo 2 and Reina Nico Hedge squad. And also because the Blood of Olympus I have found is very heavily criticized within the fandom for not sort of being the final book that everyone wanted. So I figured we'd talk now about how we're feeling right now and our expectations for it. And then we can revisit that at the end of the book. We were talking a lot in House of Hades about how 
strongly it parallels the Battle of the Labyrinth in a way that is slightly older, slightly more mature. There's more just abject terror, but you can see the ways in which they parallel each other and you can understand like structurally why this makes sense for its place in the series and also just as a standalone book. In this case, it does feel really different. There's not even a little bit of parallel to The Last Olympian in the sense that that book started off with us going to the first battle. Like the first chapter ends with us flying- In a Prius. And it ends with <laughs> us leaving the Prius to go fly off to like try and blow up Kronos' ship, right? We're already having, dies. in a way, the Battle of Manhattan and somebody dies, right? Which is super different from this book in which the first section is, I don't know, like kind of a jokey side quest. Not that it's not important, but just the tone is very different. And also the fact that we are now having Nico and Reina's perspectives for the first time feels like a turn as opposed to like a, I don't know, like a sprint to the finish. Exactly, exactly. Like I've been waiting for these perspectives, but also it's an interesting choice that they're like coming to us for the first time in the last book. I I, like understand the critiques is what I'm saying. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I feel like just so much more happens in this book compared to The Last Olympian. Longer. Like, so much more has to happen. 200 pages longer, yeah. And The Last Olympian, right from the get-go, it's like, oh, you have, like, the one big thing you have to do, and in this one, there's like, oh, we're at the beginning. We know it's the last book, but there's still 50 little things that they have to complete in order to even be able to, like, stand a chance against Gaia. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And sort of the only thing that we know is we have to go to Athens and walk directly into whatever trap is going on and just do our best to fight it. And also somehow stop the camps from imploding. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and fight the giants, which in order to to do that we need the help of the gods and it's not like we really have a plan for that right now as far as how we're gonna (laughs) fix that situation (laughs) juno just shows up and she's like you have to do this and this and talk to these people and uh maybe you can stand a chance And they're like, cool, fine. And for that reason, I think I love this book. The Battle of New York and The Last Olympian. We knew what we had to do. We were so ready for it. We were prepared. Nico and Percy had this plan going on. And now, hundreds and hundreds of pages later, we're old, we're crusty, we're tired. The stakes are too high for us to possibly know how to realistically handle this. We're just doing our best going from place to place, one thing at a time, trying to stay alive, thinking about our pasts, doing a lot of internal introspection. It feels very much like an older book. We're all burnt out. We're all tired. Totally can relate to that. Because the monster that we're fighting is also much grander and more complicated. Mm -hmm. We don't know how to stop the earth. We don't know how to fix climate change. None of this is going to come easily in one (laughs) big 300-page showdown. I also get personally like battle fatigued. I think, you know, Mm -hmm. that that big battle fatigue both in movies yeah. and in books from reading about that. Yeah. So I don't mind that there's not yeah. a super long fight in this. No, book. I kind of I kind of prefer this one rereading The Last Olympian. It was like, okay, there there's a lot of fighting. I parried. He slapped. <laughs> yeah. My sword was an arc of destruction. <laughs> <laughs> but I do I do wish we had more Persebeth. Exactly. Yes. yes. And like does it hurt? <laughs> it hurts so bad, but also I get it. I get what happened. Do I like it? No, but it's like, eat your vegetables. Okay. Like at the end of the last episode, <laughs> Percy and Annabeth said goodbye. They really did. They said, we have a good crew and this team will be able to take over for us. Ugh, but I want more. Yeah. yeah. I do yeah. also really understand structurally the pivot to Nico and Reyna for this. To me, it actually it makes a lot of sense. It does make sense. It does make yeah. sense. I'm just, I'm just sad. It's not the fan service that I wanted, but I guess that was the House of Hades. Yeah, fair. We did get that whole book. (laughs) Any other thoughts about the opening of this book, about Reyna? Just 
I love Raina. That's it. That's all I have to say. We're ready. We're ready for more. Oh my god, we've been ready. Well, thank you so much, Mariana, for being here with us. Thank you so much for having me. You already told us that First Beth is the greatest love story ever told. It is. Yes. I'll t- I'll talk more about it if you want. <laughs> Feel free to run your mouth about that, about Western civilization, whatever you want. The floor is yours. Uh, is Western civilization worth saving? No. I think that what we're going through right now is definitely the fall of that. <laughs> Goodbye to the world is what it currently feels like. Um, yeah, no, I frequently reread the part. And he's like, and it was the best underwater kiss of all time. I'm like, yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah it was (laughs) should i as a 26 year old be screeching about these 16 year olds kissing no but am i anyways yes (laughs) it's the beauty of YA. (laughs) (laughs) is there anything that you would like to plug while you're here on the air to the captive cb brain audience follow me on twitter or instagram and then i also have a pottery instagram i'm a ceramicist i sell fun pottery at get baked clay yeah follow mariana on social media at it's mariana that's with four n's follow us at seaweed brain podcast on instagram seaweed brain pod on twitter please give us a nice review on spotify on apple Podcasts. that's where you're listening and we will see you next week for the next four chapters and also some really really exciting returning guests y'all know and love we'll see you there bye bye